here at the carol service last year. Uh, and if anything, we've become maybe more aware of, of all that divides us rather than all that unites us. It hasn't been a great year in the political sphere. And sometimes we've been aware of the hugely kind of varying opinions that people have even within the church. And that can be quite confusing. And I suspect here tonight there are very different views on how it's all worked out. We're not going to go there, don't worry. And it's not just politics. Actually, Christmas is now more diverse than it was. Um, in a church in London where I used to be, a church on its notice board outside uh, at Christmas, it said to our Christian friends, Happy Christmas. To our Jewish friends, Happy Hanukkah. And to our atheist friends, Good luck. <laughs> but there is one big issue about which there is a growing consensus. In a recent poll, 80% of us agreed that climate change and pollution of our world was now an immediate emergency and it was time to act. 80% of our nation did agree that we need to do something urgently. Our earth is warming up, our oceans are becoming polluted, and we cannot carry on this way. I don't know if any of you have been up to London to see the Christmas lights. We were um, at a family reunion on Thursday and just glimpsed the, the bottom end of uh, Regent Street. But the lights to watch this year in London are the lights in Carnaby Street. Uh, they are all around the theme of um, environmental concern. You've got oceans. Um, it's an ocean-themed uh, kind of thing as you walk down it. You have pictures and lights all made out of recycled plastic. Uh, there's a coral reef. Coral reefs are in danger um, around our world because of global warming. Uh, some of our wildlife, this is a turtle caught in fishing nets. And you, it's all lit up, reminding us at this Christmas time of the one issue that seems to be uniting us. Though we don't all agree on the causes of it, we might not all agree on what to do about it. But it's something that has got a growing consensus. And actually, there's, there's three things that we all agree on to do with the environmental crisis that our planet faces. Firstly, we're all agreed that it's not God's fault. No one's blaming Mother Earth. Why doesn't the Earth get better at dealing with carbon dioxide? No one's blaming the sun for being too hot. No one's blaming the universe for being created the way it was. This is human responsibility. This is something that we have accelerated in recent years. This lies at our door. And secondly, we're united on the fact that Beyond whether my pension is intact in my lifetime, beyond whether my children get everything they need as they're growing up, most of us agree that this issue of climate change is the single biggest issue facing our long-term future as a race. We might not all agree with 
uh, extinction, rebellion. We might not want to go and glue our hands to Docklands Light Railway trains, but we all agree that this is a really big issue, perhaps the biggest one that our race faces. We're all agreed that it's our mess. We're all agreed that it's one of the biggest issues facing our long-term future. And we're all agreed on the third thing. We really don't know what to do about it. We don't know if we can really help ourselves. In fact, we're told that even if we manage to reduce the temperature rise to 1.5 degrees by 2030, which is the best hope outcome, even then, we're going to see 200 million people displaced through flooding, many in poor areas of our world. What's this got to do with Christmas? Everything. It's got everything to do with Christmas. Before the coming of Jesus, the ancient prophets highlighted the wrongs of the world. They saw that despite a longing for peace, war simply increased. That the more and more hard people tried to be better people, the more they were unable to change themselves the more powerless they were to overcome their fear, their sorrows, and their selfishness. Their message was, at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And that this is the most serious issue facing our world today. And thirdly, we are unable to help ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Several years ago, Jan and I lived in a big vicarage in London. We live in a fairly big vicarage now, but this was a big old London Georgian vicarage. And uh, every year, um, we would get a bit of damp, well, quite a big bit of damp, would come through our dining room wall. For about five years in a row, I would paint over it. I would put damp seal on it, and I painted it back again. But it would only be a few months, and it would come back again. And I would paint it over. And then the brown stain and the thing would get a little bit bigger. Every time it was getting a bit worse. So one day I decided to deal with it. I'm a bit of a DIYer. And I, I, I chipped off the plaster that I could where it was all wet. And uh, I just literally, I didn't paint a damp seal on it. I, I plastered um, damp seal all over it. And my dad had been a research chemist and he has substances in his shed which were banned 30 years ago under EU law. Um, and so I was able to paint lead acetate, don't do this at home, uh, uh, to stop the mold from growing on it. Um, and uh, then I, I put fresh plaster over it, I put more damp seal over it, uh, I put it all back and I painted over it again. And six months later, the damp comes back, even worse than before. Now it's moving all the way along the, the top of the wall. And I have to concede defeat and call someone in. This is just the worst possible thing for a DIY expert. I have to call in uh, the experts. And um, he comes in, and he's got his ladders and everything, and he, he says... Uh, and he starts to chip away all the plaster that I'd put back, and he's taking it all down and, um, and then he calls me 
And he says, a vicar, vicar. He says, come, come here. So I go, and he says, look. He said, look, can you see what some idiot's done? He said, he's put damp seal all the way over it. And he said, tried to plaster it out. There's some kind of acid on it. He said, he said well, who's been out this? I said, I don't know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do, these DIY people? I mean, we're going, and he's sort of saying, and now you put the damp seal on it. He said, and that's made the damp, it's got nowhere to go. It's simply gone back into the wall and gone lower now. That's why it's going down the wall. And I'm kind of going, oh, I don't know, really. He said, I'm going to have to take it all off the wall and we're going to have to put it all back. Well, he did all that. And then they changed the flashings on the roof on the outside. And it was fine. And I've told nobody to this day that that's what happened. <laughs> Especially not the diocese. I had to pay for it all. <laughs> the point is, even today, we're often unable to deal with the biggest issues that face our lives. And for those ancient prophets, the coming of Jesus was like a light dawning in a dark world, shining first to show us everything that is wrong, and then shining to reveal the solution. The coming of Jesus was so cataclysmic that it changed the human and religious landscape. It was so seismic, it divided history forever into two ages. So profound, it affected three quarters of all the known world within just a few decades. They called it Christmas. Jesus, which means God saves. But how? How was God going to save us? How was God going to do what we were unable to do for ourselves? How is God going to help us to do what we just don't know how to do? At times we all wish that God would just do something. Wave a magic wand and make our problems go away. Heal my friend, friend's illness. Deal with the climate change issue. Do something about homelessness. But the early Christians came to see that God's grand project was something never before thought of. God's grand project was going to be something so profound that no one else could ever have done it. And there was a clue in the manner of his coming. They realised that something has to be born inside us. Something's got to come alive inside us that can change our loves and set them in order. St. Augustine said the problem is not that we love the wrong things, but that we love the right things in the wrong order. Jesus promises not to change the world from the outside in, but one heart at a time as we allow him into our lives. His way of saving us Saving our souls, saving the planet was one life at a time. 
My sister, for Christmas several years ago, gave me the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know why she thought I needed that book. I never asked her, but uh, that was what she gave me. It was quite popular, I guess, 10 years ago or so, and everyone was reading it. And um, the the chapter seven, (laughs) seventh habit, begins with a quote from a a well-known rabbi. And he says this, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people who then take themselves out of the slums. The world would mould people by changing human behaviour. But Christ can change the human heart which then changes forever our behaviour. So what do we do when confronted with things like the environment, things in our own lives, our hopes, our fears that we can't seem to change despite our best New Year's resolutions? What are we to do? Well, there are several responses. I guess we can, um, like the musicians on the Titanic uh, that kept on playing while the ship was sinking, we can just pretend that it's all fine. My life's fine. The planet is fine. No panic. Or we can throw our hands up in the air and like Private Fraser from Dad's Army, simply say we're doomed. We're all doomed and there's nothing we can do about it. But I think that that's not what we're called to do. In our last carol, we sang, if I were a wise man, I would do my part. We have to do what we can. We have to do what we can to help people in our own lives and we have to do what we can to help our planet But even that won't be enough unless we give them what we can. Our hearts. Yet what I can, I give him. Give him my heart. Bear Grylls is a world-famous adventurer. He thrives on wilderness, hikes, and austere environments. He's um, become quite a famous TV presenter and speaks a lot about his Christian faith. And um, he recently gave an interview where he commented about uh, the moment that he became a Christian. And he said this in the interview. I remember praying a simple prayer up a tree one evening. It would be up a tree, wouldn't it? Uh, Up a tree one evening and saying, God, if you're like I knew you as a kid, would you be that friend again? And it was no more complicated than that. And actually, the amazing thing is that all God asks is that we sort of open the door and ask him to come in. And he'll do the rest. My faith in Jesus has become the strong backbone in my life. It's the glue that keeps me and my whole family together. At Christmas time, I think, God offers us that same invitation to be part of his great project to save the world. You and me and the world that he created for us. We can't fix it. We can't even fix ourselves. But Jesus, working from the inside, is able to change the things that we love so that we love a right Love what he loves and so play our part 
in doing the right thing. The solutions to saving our planet, the solutions to the, the, the problems that affect our communities, they are there. But unless our hearts are softened towards them, we're simply not going to do it. I want to save the planet, but I want to fly away on holiday. I want to save the planet, but I, I, I like driving everywhere. I want to save the planet, but I love the wrong things. But Jesus says, I can reorder your loves so that not only your souls, not only your very lives, but the very environment that you live in can be changed. That's the message of Christmas. It's the same message it's always been. There's nothing I can do to fix this. But Jesus promises to make the change that we need. Heavenly Father, and my prayer this, this Christmas time is, is that you will help us to have soft hearts that we might welcome you afresh into our lives. That you will begin to work from the inside, changing those things that I love until I am made again in your beautiful image. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. And we're going to continue in prayer now.